Hi there, thanks for joining me on the I Am podcast. And this podcast is, it's important to me. It's my passion and it definitely feels like it's maybe a, a bit of what I'm supposed to be doing right now too. The messaging coming from our guests, I find it so inspiring, so powerful. I really do love it. But today's episode is really important to me for all these reasons and way more too. Today I want to talk about a dear friend of mine who passed away not long ago, one of the most incredible people you could ever have met. And I know that I won't be alone in making that statement. His name was Steve Black. He was known as Blackie and he was larger than life. Blackie agreed to help me, in fact, with my very first attempt at one of these podcast things. So it was a bit of a tester, a loosener, as it were. It was all designed to help me find my feet. The plan was that I'd always go back and record a proper one with him once I got going. But that chance never came. I'm sure there's one hell of a lesson in there somewhere. How I wish I could just reconnect with him one more time, what I'd ask him then, what I would say. I have the pleasure of offering you that first episode right here now as the main guest episode this week. In this little personal one right here today, I want to talk about the man himself and why he has been such an influence and a guiding force for me in my own journey. So Blackie, he was honest, relentless and tireless in his pursuit of greatness. He was so motivational and he was unstoppable. A born and bred Geordie, he was proficient in so many sports, blessed with a ridiculous physical power as well. So his formative years saw him working as a nightclub doorman in what I guess, or I understood to be an edgy and dangerous world where he was getting in scrapes on the wrong side of the law and learning life's lessons in a really intense and challenging way. A little later, though, the law apparently saw value in him uh, and called on him to help deter others. So he went on wild adventures, as he often told us about going searching for Lord Luke and other adventures as well that I'm not even sure I'm allowed to mention, so I won't. He competed in boxing, sprinting, powerlifting, all different kinds of competitions, coached in almost every professional sport with so many different teams you would have heard of, uh, coached individual athletes to incredible glory and succeeded everywhere he went, often blowing people away in the process. This man was able to channel all his energy, and there was so much of it, into just one single direction and hold it there. He was, I guess, in a way, obsessive. Maybe that's where <laughs> him and I connected. But to take him on in his field was a mistake unless you were properly prepared to pay any cost. When I arrived up north in Newcastle, uh, ready to play for the Falcons Rugby Club and start my professional career, I had no idea what to expect. I was 300 miles from home and I entered into a squad full of legends, most of them 30 years or older in age, and almost all of them kind of 50-cap full international rugby players from around the globe. And to a man, they all told me to listen to what Blackie said and do exactly what he told me. I kind of got the impression that they were afraid of him. And all it took was seeing him shifting a impossibly heavy punch bag around the gym with his bare fist to get me fully on board. In fact, I remember him a bit later on introducing himself to a group of players that he hadn't really met at the beginning of the British and Irish Lions Tour of Australia in 2001. He was the fitness conditioner. And as a bit of a segue, he said, I remember as part of his speech, you're all just better off 
liking me right now because you're going to work out that I'm a good guy anyway and I really care about you and what I'm doing. So let's not waste this valuable time. And this is exactly, I think, how it worked. He was no nonsense, transparent and completely honest with it. And I think he knew this to be a very necessary foundation of any team. I remember our pre-season training came with gut-wrenching sessions designed to bring you face-to-face with your limits and then take you beyond them. He never let you know what was coming, how many reps you were going to do, how long they would last. He loved leaving you in that discomfort where the pain stared you in the face. The fear on its own of what you're about to go through could wear you out way worse than the training ever did. Those that couldn't handle the the not knowing ended up asking. They just made it worse for themselves. They ended up doing more. Those that tried to hold back and guess how many were coming ended up doing way more. He wanted everyone getting comfortable in that uncomfortable space of the unknown. But what he taught me was something so powerful and never failed me, I don't think. Just be ready to give your all and you'll always find you have enough. The only thing in your own way of what you want is you. And when you think you're finished, it's probably when you're just getting started. So Blackie kind of took over the dressing room of whatever club he uh, he was working at. He was like an off-field captain and a motivational genius. Before each game, I remember up in Newcastle, right up until the last second before we left the changing room for the kickoff, he'd be the one doing all the talking. He'd wander in and out of the players, triggering the most powerful emotions in each of them, bringing them to that space of why not, to the realisation that anything's possible. The way he spoke, his presence, his absolute embodiment of what he was asking, the clarity. He was like an extra player on our team, more like an extra five players that the opposition just didn't have. So it made you feel so secure knowing that he was there, that he was on the sidelines, in the dugout, just in case things got a bit tasty, as it were. Just made you feel like you could do anything. And him himself, he was forever learning, humbly accepting that he was never done. I poured my heart out to him on so many occasions. I was like a stuck record after so many games when things hadn't gone my way and games had been lost. It was a story he must have heard a million times and yet he absorbed it each time like it was the first. He listened like nobody I know. He just had forever for you. I know he travelled the world to go meet those he idolised, whether it be people like Customato, Mike Tyson's legendary corner man and coach over in America. Because just like these gurus, Blackie was a guru. His whole philosophy was that he got to know you so well, almost better than you knew yourself at times. And I think he found it hard to see this kind of intuitive, deep, connective inspired intelligence being replaced by computer programs and AI stuff. He would spend hours researching, listening to seminars from the greatest minds in business and in the spiritual world too. He had piles and piles of notebooks that he filled from cover to cover with his journaling, with his daily revelations and inspiring messages. And he was so important to me as a a kind of teammate as it were that I 
I used to invite him out to France to come and live with me in Toulon just so I could have him there. We'd fit in so many training sessions together outside of what I was already doing at the club. And we'd sit chatting in depth about goals and plotting our path to success. I was training numerous times a day at the age of 34, but he kept telling me, reassuring them I was only just entering my prime, that the best was always still to come. I can picture him now sat in the stands at the training ground, probably pretty red-faced from that hot Cote d'Azur sunshine and the two hours waiting for me to finish kicking balls around. And he'd always be writing on some random coloured cards that he'd bought from some obscure shop in town. When I saw him at the end, he'd hand me these notes, the depth of the thought and the wisdom, the way that everything he wrote resonated with me was immense. It was incredible. It's always what I needed. I used to keep these things in the side pocket of my kit bag, take them to every game, read them before kickoff and just have them there knowing just in case. He used to holiday in New York because of bookshops. He was an eternal student of his craft and he reckoned he had over 10,000 books in his library. He also reckoned he'd only read about six of them <laughs> because he said the rest were terrible. And he was constantly joking and messing around like this. He was always poking fun at himself. There was never a dull moment in his company. I remember on that Australian Lions tour that I mentioned earlier, Blackie, myself and Jason Robinson embarked upon a bit of an impromptu trip to the cinema. Arriving 20 minutes into the film, and a packed auditorium, Blackie thought it would be amusing to deliberately trip down the centre aisle steps and roll down every single one of them, groaning and feigning injury to different parts of his body. The entire audience went quiet and then started laughing, whilst he just took his seat at the front, settled in with his popcorn. Jason and I waited for a good five minutes at the top of the uh, cinema steps before joining him. I remember at the midweek session in Newcastle, Blackie again must have felt like the energy needed adjusting. He sat us all down in the grass, built himself up to hand out a real bollocking and then delivered this perfect team talk in Godfather Mafia style. So in this immense detail and a deep Italian accent with more F words than I'd heard in my previous 19 years of being alive, he just went for it. I remember the hysterical laughter from the youngest to the oldest in that team and coaches alike. And sure enough, we went out there and smashed it on the weekend. In the middle of sessions, he could do this, just make jokes that could almost render the rest of the session a write-off. He was so devoted and wanted it so much, but he knew it was still just a game and that there were so many more important things to life. He was playful always never taking himself too seriously, therefore able to make the best out of anything. And one thing I remember is that Blackie never, ever doubted me or my talent. You'll hear this in the interview in the uh, Thursday episode. You'll hear he still talks to me in that episode like I could get back out there and do it all over again. He believes it with all his heart. The silly thing is that with him behind me, I still believe I could as well. I just felt so worthy and valued around this person. All I needed to do was just be true to myself, my passions, and align what I really, really wanted in my words and my actions and my energy. Feeling like 
anything was possible around him made sure that I could dream. And Blackie urged me to do this more and more. Every session we did together was fueled by constant visualization. Bike sessions, agility, strength, power sessions, they all became more like acting sessions. He pushed me to constantly picture and feel these ideal scenarios in my mind as I trained. I was so busy practicing who I wanted to be so much of the time that I think it just took over me. He himself was creative and spontaneous, probably getting that idea already. He championed engagement above everything else. He found a way to inject passion, excitement, and that unique part of who you are into everything. The boot of his car, which for some reason was always the longest saloon car available at the time in the world, had in it this most eclectic range of different balls, rackets and all these bits and bobs for training. Some of God knows where he bought them from. But I remember one day training together, just him and I one-on-one. He asked me to stand in this vacant parking lot at the Kingston Park Falcons home ground, 40 meters away from the back of the East stand. He asked me to hit this tennis ball against this massive wall with a child's waffle bat. He just said, keep rallying. So I had to sprint around this car park just to get to the the next bounce of the ball and then unload everything into each shot. I absolutely loved it. The explosive whole body nature of this power technique, the short bursts of accelerations, the subtlety of reading and responding to unpredictable bounces, the feel of the timing, and as well as my penchant for learning new skills and playing other sports, genuinely made this one of my greatest days out ever. I could have stayed there all night as well if it was floodlight. As a team, we were always doing something exciting. Whether we were volleying massive novelty tennis balls against the wall, focusing on our concentration, our precision, our teamwork. Whether we were riding these go-karts around, doing the most unexpected, surprising and amazing stuff day to day. Steve Black's era and his presence was a beautiful time and place to be a professional rugby player. Finally, though, I guess to wrap it all up, he was about something just bigger than himself. He cared so damn much about everyone. And he gave so damn much. Anyone that knew Blackie will tell you this, I'm sure. He was always late. You knew that he would stay and do whatever he could for whoever he was with, because that's what he did with you. I can't tell you how much time we spent together, how many times he was there to train me in garage gyms, hotel gyms, on back pitches, on bare patches of grass, in these car parks, whenever and wherever I needed it. I was injured for four years and he was always there nonstop to talk, to share, to go and explore new things, to support. It was just incredible. Years after when I'd finished my career, We still used to meet up and he'd still train me like I was playing at the weekend. He knew this what made me tick. He just tapped into that part of me. Blackie also knew, I think, that life and the now and the beauty of it is to be found in the unknown and that the future 
is ours to create, not to survive. This is what he constantly drove me to uncover. He did it all through love and compassion too. He was a hugger and he hugged fiercely. He meant it. He used the L word all the time, unflinchingly. He wasn't afraid to express himself. He lived every single moment like it was the last. So I guess for me, I asked myself, what would it be like if we could all be our own blackies to ourselves? What if that voice in our minds supported us unconditionally, trusted in us absolutely, and then guided us to grow, coaxed us to go into that uncomfortable space, to step towards our vulnerability, stand tall, to embrace and explore? In the I Am podcast series, the message has come up a few times, particularly in a series three episode with my brother Mark, all about being the very best teammate to ourselves. Sometimes we just aren't able to offer ourselves that kind of support. We get caught up reacting. We get caught up resisting. We all have our issues that get in the way and we all have our work to do, whether it's becoming more aware of our programming, confronting our demons, letting go, whatever it is. Some of us, though, are lucky enough to have these great examples, these great people in our lives that keep us on track. For me, Blackie was that guy. From when I was 18 years old all the way through to his very last day, he was one in a billion. I hope you really, really enjoy this episode. My name is Johnny Wilkinson. This is the I Am Podcast with Steve Black. So that's it for another episode of I Am. It's brilliant to be sharing this unfolding experience with you all. If you'd like to get in touch with either me or the guest, then all the information you need is in the show notes. I welcome all and any feedback. I really want all of you to have a hand in guiding the feel of this show and the path of the conversation as well. So just keep them coming in. And until next time, I'm Johnny Wilkinson, and this has been I Am. This show is brought to you by Max Creative, The executive producer is Megan Hill-Smith. Assistant producer is Alex Macy.